Debbie? Okay, we're recording. What's she doing? Ordering right. a pizza? Could be. Okay, I'm having issues. I want a piece of that pizza. Since you're at work, you want to get right to it? No. Oh, okay. Because work sucks. <laughs> I'm pulling the script. Well, duh. Yeah, come on. That's why it's called work. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> if it were fun, you wouldn't pay, have to pay me for it. Okay, is there... Do we have Witty Banner or... Jeez. This is it. Do we have Witty Banner? Band? <laughs> this is it. We have no Windy Banners. Sorry. <laughs> oh my god i can't talk oh have you ever heard of a uh song or a song called uh, godzilla by blue oyster cult duh i, I only quoted it on your facebook i know i've never heard it before. that's what i said and i'm like seriously you've never heard of it before tom played a little bit where have you been i played a little bit and scott got mad it was too loud <laughs> oh. Well, it is BOC. What do you expect? Well, that's because he had my headphones turned up. Or, my yeah, my headphones turned mm. up. Of course, he had everybody's headphones turned up. I, I couldn't even hear him talking over it. It's because I wasn't <laughs> talking into the mic. Yeah, you were. Yeah, I have to decide whether to put the song before or after this banter. Are you recording? I've been recording for two minutes and five seconds. Okay, so I have to decide whether this... I think you should put it at the end. Before or after the song? I think you should put it after the end, af, af, uh, at the end of the podcast. Okay. We can change the lyrics. So, oh, so no. you, so they you, say he's got to go. No more Cashzilla. <laughs> <laughs> so, listeners, stay till the end to hear the uh, remarkable tunes of Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, you better be careful with your fair use on that. You have 15 seconds. <laughs> Give it a countdown, why don't you? Five, four, three, two, one. Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Girl, you just don't realize. A stamp museum? Oh, stamps! Those are for snail mail! Stamps rule! I mean, suck! And look at this it's a Bolivian airplane. Now, it says it's worth eight cents, but really, it's worth 12. See that? Already ahead. Came right out of the blocks with a winner here, Chris. Nice What's going on, Shasta? You got a book. Actually, it's a book of old stamps. What you got? Well, I have a stamp in here that I think could be an 1868 Benjamin Franklin Z Grill stamp. And I got one from Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a planet from Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Live from Studio B in the smoldering ashes of downtown Tokyo, this is Stamp Show Here Today, episode number 137. I'm Cash. If it rains in Sweden, you have to drive with your lights on. That's the law. My question is, how do you know when it's raining in Sweden? 
I'm Scott. And after 100 years at the bottom of the ocean, divers were amazed to find that the Titanic's pool was still full. This is Tom, and I don't even know where to go with that. (laughs) (laughs) Tell Cash to put the gun down. Poor Scott. I thought that was funny. And I'm your stamp mistress, Dawn. And did you know that all goldfish are allergic to peanuts? They just don't eat many peanuts. We have that and many more facts here on Stamp Show here today, so let's get right to it. So, I hate to start on a downer, but a very famous actor has died, and we should pay our respects. Let's observe a few moments of silence for... Yes, the person who played Godzilla, or Gojira in Japanese, has died at the age of 88. Haruo Nakajima, the actor who stomped around in a rubber suit and made the Japanese monster an iconic symbol of the nuclear era, has died. He appeared in the original Gojira in 1954, then followed up with Gojira Raids Again. I think that's a translation thing, the word raid versus attacks or something. Uh-huh. It probably is. King Kong versus Gojira. Note that he got second billing. Just as a note, in the later movie King Kong Escapes he played King Kong so a true master of acting he could play both parts Mothra versus Gojira I love Mothra <laughs> love Are you I love these movies are you kidding me again Gojira gets the second movie Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, where Gojira gets absolutely no billing. <laughs> Invasion of Astro Monster. I missed that one. Oh, it's probably on MST3K somewhere. No. It actually might be on my DVD of Japanese monster movies. Uh, Netflix. Or Netflix. The War of the Gargantuas. That one terrified me. When I was a little kid, that one really scared me. Because there's one scene... There's this scene where this boy and this girl are having a picnic on the side of this hill. And then all of a sudden you just hear like a monster noise and you see a bloody picnic basket and a bloody picnic towel. And it's like, oh, geez. And this one scared me. I outgrew it. Ibera Horror of the Deep. Son of Gojira, I love that one. Little little baby Godzilla and the smoke rings, that's hysterical. <laughs> love that one. Destroy all monsters. All monsters attack. Gojira versus Hedora. Hedora. Hedoru? Hedora. Hedora. Hedoru. Gojira versus Hedora. Finally, Gojira gets 
billing, and finally, it is first billing. <gasps> and finally, Gojira versus Gigan. Yeah, also, uh, he was in Seven Samurai, one of my all-time top tens. He was one of the bandits. So he not only played uh, people in rubber suits, he actually was in a big-time movie. I don't remember Godzilla in that movie. No, the actor. Oh, he didn't say that. Don't talk bad well, about yeah, it. Oh, yeah, I know. That's like my top 10 favorite movie. Don't don't talk bad about it. I'll have to draw out my uh, katana and whack you down with it. You don't have a katana. Really? I thought it was going to be a strongly <laughs> worded do. letter. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> I'll send you a strongly worded letter with a stamp on it. Ooh. Because you know Godzilla has a stamp. <gasps> I know. Does that count as a dragon stamp? Oh, good point. Is this is this one of your for your dragon collection? Oh well, okay. Now since you brought it up, now, okay, what is Godzilla? Now he's a you fire put breathing. in lizard. Now I disagree with lizard. I don't think he's a lizard. What do you think he is? I don't know because he doesn't fit lizard. He doesn't fit dinosaur. He's a guy <laughs> in a rubber suit. <laughs> oh yeah, and and, and, and doesn't really fit dragon either. He's got horrible breath too. Oh yeah, he's he, out of your house. he's scaly. He's got a tail and he breathes fire. What else do you need for a dragon? Yeah, Don, yeah, I don't know how I don't know how dragon. you define dragon, but that well, definition got, fits. Not there. all dra- he's, not he's, all dragons in mythology have wings. Oh no, absolutely. But, but Godzilla does. I mean, just look at pictures of him. There's those little itty bitty tiny wings. Oh, <laughs> 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 just look at the Japanese stamp. However, I do think that Godzilla <laughs> has flown in the movies. I think, that, I think that's when Mothra dropped him. <laughs> that wasn't so much flying as falling. That's not flying, it's falling with style. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that Godzilla had to be on stamps from Grenada or Guinea-Bissau or, or some wallpaper country, but no. <laughs> he had officially issued lick em and stick em to envelopes. Stamps from Japan. Yep. In 1999, Japan issued a souvenir sheet for the 20th Century Series on the tower sheet. Right smack in the middle is our favorite lizard or dragon or... Monster. Monster. Rubber suit. (laughs) Rubber suited fellow. Man in a rubber suit. There is also a 60th anniversary folder set from 2014 with postcards and stickers and badges and stuff, but I can't confirm this. I can't confirm this is from the Japanese post or if the items are valid for postage. They might just be Cinderella's. The stamps the stamps say 50 sen, which is denominated for J- Japan, but they sold for a hefty premium because of all the other goodies. Yeah, th- these are selling for like $345 on eBay. 
and actually wow. uh yeah I- incredible um it was confirmed these are by the japanese post i originally thought they might have been like prefecture issues uh but these are actual japan post issues and japan post is kind of interesting on itself but uh, yeah, this was a really impressive thing. There's uh, some videos on uh, YouTube about people opening them, and they really, truly do look. They did a good job on them. Well, of course. Yeah, incredibly expensive, but they did a good job. Thank you, Patrick Eleazar, Luis Gonzalez, for help with these stamps. Yes. Also, you know, I mentioned prefectures. That's kind of an interesting thing. These are the Z stamp listings in the Scots catalog. Uh, Japan has prefectures like we have states in the United States, or actually a lot of people who are listening have states. Or provinces. Or provinces. They were given the right to issue their own stamps for different things. And originally they had like requirements that they had to have certain fonts and things like that in them. All those are pretty much gone now and you could only use them in the prefecture. Those are all gone now. Everything is usable everywhere. But the prefecture issues are sort of like very commemorative things. And so I thought originally these Godzilla stamps were by the prefecture. But no, they weren't. They were by Japan Post, which... The largest postal administration in the world is Japan Post. Really? Yeah. Why? How, how's, how, how can a little tiny island like that have more than, like, you know, the rest of us? They add up the number of employees they have and the number of offices and real estate and stuff, and they are the largest. They are larger than the U.S. Post Office. Huh. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, they also, yeah. S- they uh, one of the things, Cons- though. Considering how much land we have to cover here in oh, the yeah. States. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is, and I think this is why they're the largest, is they also sell insurance. Well, yeah. So, That's true. That's but, true. So, but how much of insur- how much does insurance add to them? I mean, this is like a real corporation, and they were going to go public, and they haven't gone public yet. That was put on hold. But you picture a, you know, picture Walmart running the post office. That's kind of what Japan is going to have in the future if uh, Japan Post actually does get privatized. And it'll be interesting what happens to the prefecture issues because does Japan Post want to compete with itself? Yeah, it's more like Walmart buys Geico and goes into yeah. and goes into the mail business. <laughs> yeah, or or FedEx Geico get together and make a corporation that carries all the mail. Yeah, that would be something. And then they're bought by Walmart. <laughs> yes. Since we're talking about uh, Japan, why don't we talk about counterfeits? Because I think that the Japanese counterfeits are an incredibly interesting part because. It sort of goes back to what I always said about uh, the Roman states. The stamps of the Roman states are really damn near valueless because there's so many counterfeits. So if you can tell the real ones, you can find some really scarce stamps. Well, the problem is, is that even if you find the real Roman state stamps, they're still valueless because everybody doesn't trust that they're real. And it's sort of this way with the first two, uh, the imperforated and perforated dragons of the Japanese and I like this because you know again we're talking about dragons so uh, I'll 
I'll tell you what I know about them. And uh, people can go on Facebook and add or correct me. And, you know, we always have casuals corrections. But the number one you thing. You have casuals Yeah, I have, I have casuals corrections. <laughs> Must be interesting. Yeah, nobody else be- needs to be corrected as often. <laughs> well, Must be interesting having people walking in and out of your office. Yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Yeah, welcome to my I, world. Because I, I see them walking behind you, and you're like giggling and smiling at them. It's very funny. <laughs> well, my boss came in. She's all, oh, oh, I'm like, here. <laughs> that's why we. <laughs> it's called editing. Yeah, that's why we edit. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't hear anything. It's yeah. just watching people walk by. Well, first of all, the first issues, um, it's sort of like the same as Switzerland. Switzerland has a lot of counterfeits. And the number one way that people expertize Switzerland is to plate the stamps. If they plate to a correct position, then you know they're real. Same thing with Japan. You plate it to a position and you know it's real. Well, about 80% of um, Japanese, the first issues of Japan, are counterfeited. And, you know, it keeps going all the way up to about the 1880s. There's a lot of counterfeits. A fellow named Wada made so many forgeries that expertizing may not even be a good option because close to 80% of the classic stamps found in general collections will be forgeries. Now we're talking Japanese stamps here, not other stamps. um, I would almost say that it's exactly the same with early... um, Yeah, but Switzerland, but not all countries. No, 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 not no. Wada did. Wada made these what he called tourist sheets, and they were stamps to be sold to tourists. Well, in 1911, the government came in, took all his stuff, and said, "You're forging. Stop it. We're putting you out of business." So afterwards, he and any forgers that followed him put little mozos or facsimile marks and the facsimile marks are usually two Japanese characters but because they kind of wanted to defraud people um, often they're the same color as the rest of the stamp they made them small and it's just like we were talking about the other day with uh, newspaper stamps from Germany where it says facsimile on them they have people put cancellations right over the top of the overprint so that you can't find where it says facsimile. So this is just something interesting that I thought. Uh, There uh, is a manuscript from the Japanese Stamp Society. It's 24 pages long, and it shows you where to find the little fake marks where they marked it, because if they mark it fake, then the government comes in and says, hey, you're counterfeiting stamps. They go, no, 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 right there on the design it says fake. And they go, oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> and so you have to be able to find where these little markings are. Yes, well, as I was going to ask you, you actually answered the question I had, was you know, the, the counterfeiters, I mean, who are they targeting? Collectors are they uh, targeting? You know, people using it for postage. Obviously, it's, I mean, by saying tourist sheets, obviously, that's... Yeah. Yeah, I think it was interesting that he called them tourist sheets. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because you wouldn't want to sell real stamps to a tourist. Oh, heaven forbid. Well, I mean, I was in China, and the number of fakes of stuff that you can get there is just incredible. You know, they make coins. 
but all the coins, you know, they'll sell a silver coin, but it'll weigh the wrong amount and stuff like that. So a scale is how you detect uh, that sort of stuff. But there is a lot to be said for trying to find, you know, good Japanese dragons. If you know where to find the uh, marks, that's great. Oh, also one thing that I learned, and I just learned this, is the originals were printed very close to each other. So if you find a Japanese dragon stamp with nice margins, nice clear margins, chances are it's fake. If you find mm -hmm. one where they're relatively close to each other, then you know you have a better chance. But again, you have to try to find these little marks that could be covered up or could be the same color or could be hidden in some other way. So, fun well, stuff. Well, is this one of those things where uh, the fakes are also pretty marketable? People want the fakes even? The fakes are marketable. They're not valueless. Uh-huh. But they, you know, they're a couple dollars each. Well, if you want to put together a, a, a collection of classic Japan based on tourist sheets. Oh, yeah. Which, which is really what a well, lot of collectors yeah. end up doing without knowing it. Yeah. <laughs> but to be able to put together a set with the same uh, markings, mm -hmm. all that say imitation or all that say same person yeah yeah that would be an interesting collection to say the least well one thing that i do collect is spiro brothers and uh spiro brothers tended to always use this cancel which is a very distinctive cancel it doesn't look anything like a japanese cancel that was used at the time um you know the sort of british circles and then they have like a number in the middle the bishop's mark? No, no, the circle with the bars, and then it's got like a number 32 in the oh, middle. Oh, yes. So if, if people out there go inside your Scott's catalog, look, it's a really, really super common cancel. It's, a, it's an oval of bars, and then it has a number in the middle. Well, the Spiro brothers, they used exactly that, except it had bars in the middle and then a number. Well, they just have bars all the way across the middle. And that is a really super uh, specific, really common cancel. I've seen it on Australian stamps. I've seen it on Hawaiian stamps. I've seen it on Japanese stamps. I mean, this one cancel is used on all the stamps of the world. So it's a real good giveaway when you have a, a fake. Um, I will put a picture of it up. There is uh, no chance whatsoever if you see this cancel that you have a real stamp. But on the other side, you know who made it. Yeah, Scott, you were talking about other countries. What forgeries are there in the United States? Well, there's a number of different forgeries. Obviously, one of the most well-known is the uh, Sparati forgeries of number two. And then he also made some of uh, the locals, 9X, 9X1, which is New York Postmaster Provisional, was also another one. Those two are the, probably the most popular ones for the United States. There are some lesser-known forgeries. Well, there's... They're listed in the back of the catalog, the specialized catalog now. There are quite a few of them. Well, I thought those were only when they were for defrauding the post office. Right. Right. But there are some others. Oh, okay. Now, I, I don't recall if the Sparatis are listed in there with the, with the forgeries or not. Mm. But um, there are a few that I know of that are not listed in there. Well, the most common one would be the uh, newspaper stamps. They came out of Germany. Right. 
those are not listed because they are not they were not considered postal forgeries to defraud the post office they mm-hmm. were just forgeries to uh, counterfeits to uh, fool collectors so there are actually quite a number of those where they didn't see fit to call them forgeries and list them because they didn't do postal duty mm-hmm. but again with the especially with the newspapers you see a lot of them that are marked facsimile, false, uh, things like that, that have cancellations right over the top of where those markings should be. Yeah, or crudely like pen cancels. I've seen ugly pen cancels that specifically just are marking out the facsimile. Absolutely. It's as bad as you can get. Absolutely. Uh, one really popular one is uh, the large Zeppelin C-15 was forged. It's not difficult to tell if you have handled a genuine one, but uh, they are those counterfeits are generally rare, uh, genuinely rare. And um, I've seen one or two, but I haven't been able to buy one. That's one of the things on my want list. Um, Hawaiian numerals. Yes, Hawaiian numerals are. Uh, Again, just like these, if you can plate it, they're genuine, and if you can't plate it, they're not. And that, what percentage do you think are fake of those? Oh, I would say probably at least half. Oh, I was going at to least. say much higher than that, yeah. Well, it probably is, but the ones I see, because um, the forgeries are so easy to tell, I don't get that many yeah, that's fakes. True. But um, another one that you have to plate, to prove genuine is the 9x1. Mm-hmm. There's enough forgeries out there of that one that, uh, and the the plating is fairly simple. There's what 40 of them. There's a sheet of 40 and a yeah. sheet of nine. Well, but we'll leave that for another episode since we're talking about Japanese stamps. No, we're talking about Godzilla. Well, <laughs> oh no, there goes Tokyo. Yeah, getting back to Japan, there was uh, a set of what they called photographic forgeries. And these are little difficult because they plate. You can plate them because they're from a photograph of a real plate. So they lay out and everything, but they're photographs, they're not actual printings. And so the detail on them is incredibly bad. It's very, very blurry image, stuff like that. So you you need to be able to plate it. And then you also need to be able to say that, you know, this is a real stamp. It's not a photographic forgery, which is what they called these. And they actually marketed these for a while. And the experts came out and said, no, no, no. These are not photographic. These are not essays or anything like that. Somebody just took a old-timey picture, lithographed them off, and did a really bad job. Well, you know, that's interesting that you mentioned that they were all copied from one plate position. That's what Sparati did with mm. the number two. And fortunately for us, it's got a nice, easy-to-find tell. You left a secret mark. No, it's actually on the original position yeah. that he just happened to p- happened randomly to pick a position that had an obvious plate marking so you can tell that that's the right position. 
Now, the key is the Sporati is lithographed and not engraved. Mm -hmm. And that's really where it gets you. I'll put some more Godzilla sounds in here. All right, let's correct. <laughs> let's correct Cash. Oh boy, that's a job. <laughs> and now for Cash's corrections. things one of them i'm impressed with the other one i'm not uh turns out i am in a lawsuit i got in the mail the other day yeah i got in the mail the other day and it had a stamp on it so i'm putting it in my collection i'm the member of a uh, class action lawsuit against Krispy kreme donut and I have, How did that happen? I have no clue. I haven't eaten at a Krispy Kreme donut for decades. Oh, you're out of here. <laughs> so you have no claim. So so yeah, I uh, you know maybe I should edit this out because you know the millions that are going to be flowing to everybody from this lawsuit. Uh, I need to read it though because I have. Why would anybody sue Krispy Kreme donuts? Well, the same uh, reason they're suing McDonald's. The it makes you minutes. fat. Yeah. Oh. Amazing, you know, I had no idea that eating donuts made you fat. <laughs> well, you know, five million people in the lawsuit, and they're going to pay ten million dollars, and the lawyers are going to take nine of it. Nine of it. <laughs> so you, you'll you'll get ten. You get another cents three cent uh, check. That'd be awesome. Oh, I doubt you'll get a de- check. You'll probably you'll get, get a, a voucher for one free Krispy Kreme donut. Exactly. Exactly. That's better. And that'll be on National Donut Day when they're free. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so that's a piece of postal history that I got. The second one is I got an email from eBay and it said, Cash, you are an eBay top seller. Congratulations. You've qualified for top rated seller status by consistently meeting global seller performance standards. You now get a prominent top rated seller badge on your profile page. And I thought it was interesting. It took you that long to get there? Well, I, you know what kills me is that I don't use their shipping. Uh, so if you don't use their shipping, they don't know that you turn, how fast you sell the items. And they also don't get any money from you for the shipping. What do you have, like 28,000 feedback or something? Oh, uh, 32,000 or something. I was like close. Yeah, but I don't use their eBay shipping. So I'm actually kind of surprised that I'm a top-rated ship, or a seller. Uh, no, I use discount postage. I mean, why the hell would I charge my customers like $2.45 to mail a letter instead of 49 cents? So, well, Cash, color me a little suspicious here, but how many eBay sellers are going to Amazon now? I'm going to be one. I'm, yeah. I'm, st- I'm still going to stay on eBay. I'm still going to be on eBay, but Amazon, I went to a free seminar. Uh, if anybody out there, I guess he travels around the country, uh, it's FBC and they talk about Amazon. Don't sign up for the course. You know, that's fine. He, he's going to try to charge you a thousand bucks for his course or $800 or whatever. 
don't bother. Just go to the free seminar. He gives a heck of a lot of good information. I mean, I walked out of there and I said, wow, this is cool. Uh, Amazon is really going to be going to war with uh, eBay, and I can see them winning. So my last item, I really screwed the pooch. So I messed up very bad when I was reading the information on the Rutherford B. Hayes extravaganza, and I brought up Crow T. Robot. And it said, you know, I read it quick, quickly, and it said that he talked like Rutherford B. Hayes. He didn't talk like Rutherford B. Hayes. He talked about Rutherford B. Hayes. As a continuation of our Rutherford B. Hayes extravaganza, I give you Crotey Robot. With an ice pick through the skull, thus bringing to a brutal end the passionate life of one Lev Davidovich Bronstein, Leon Trotsky. Thank you. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Gypsy, that was terrific. Oh, it was riveting. Oh, hi, everybody. Welcome hi. to the Satellite of Love. We're just finishing up this week's term paper assignment, the mm -hmm. topic being famous figures in history that look like the cantankerous 49ers in today's film. I did one on Aristotle. Oh, excellent. Uh, Tom Servo did a hilarious send-up of the Smith Brothers. Should have been here. I did both parts. Yeah. <laughs> and fun. now that we're all done, it's time for Ovaltine and Popcorn. Oh, I just love Ovaltine. Hey, hey, what about me? Hey, what am I, burnt toast here? Oh, uh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Crow. And now, Crow T. Robot. Uh, uh, put my study aid up. Uh, what? My study aid. It fell down. Put oh, that okay. Up. All right. Oh, and uh, Cambot, cue that music, please. <clears throat> Rutherford B. Hayes. <clears throat> Rutherford B. Hayes was born humbly to his own son, Rutherford B. Hayes Jr., in Delaware, while it was still Ohio, sometime after the French Revolution. Oh. Rejecting a career as a professional speller, he was admitted to the bar in 1845, though he did not drink lustfully from it. Uh -huh. Serving heroically in the Civil War, Hayes admitted later that it was in the Army he first tasted human flesh. Oh, in 1876, Hayes beat Bill Tilden in a three-set quarterfinal at Flushing Meadows, which caused the Electrical College to declare him President of the United States. Uh Crow, you just kind of threw this together, didn't you? Please, Joel, I'm quoting from the World Book, Chapter H. Huh. <clears throat> Here are a few of the highlights of the administration of Rutherford B. Hayes. In 1877, Reconstruction ended, and Jacques Derrida was named Secretary of Linguistics, and the era of deconstruction began and continues to this day. I just don't think that... Thomas Edison invented the pornograph, beginning the age of pornography. President Hayes then passed the Hayes Act, started the Hayes Office, won fame as an American lyric tenor, and was named Archbishop of New York in 1919. I think he's lying. No, I'm not. <clears throat> After he retired, he founded the original ZZ Top with James Garfield oh, yeah. and Chester Allen Arthur. Uh -huh. Shocked the world with a publicity stunt when, on a bet, he made a tent out of the underwear of William oh, Howard Taft what? and lived inside for a full year. Well, yeah. he did. And in later years, Hayes retired from the stage and did a series of memorable character parts in Hollywood. Uh -huh. Who can forget the time he was slapped by Jacqueline Bissett in the 1971 Universal movie Airport? <laughs> and then, after inventing Ringworm, Hayes died. His last words were, I have only one life to live. Let me live it as a blonde. The end. Oh, and his blood type was AB. The end. Sad what the mind can do, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to have to hold you back here, Crow. Cool. Can I have my same desk? No!
you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today.